number seven, uh, ladies and gents, thank you very much for joining us on this uh, fantastic Monday evening. Got a lovely, uh, very special guest with us this evening, Ellen Jones. Welcome to the Journey Podcast Live. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, now, a quick word of warning. We've got a storm around here, and I think Ellen's got a bit of rain that way. So hopefully uh, technology holds up for us. Uh, and I've got my co-host this evening, young Melissa. How are you, Melissa? I'm good, Nathan. And you? Very, very well. Um, Ellen, let's jump straight into it, shall we? Um, I'm aware of time. I don't want to keep you too long. So um, let's first and foremost, for those that aren't aware of who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who it is you help and what it is you do and I guess where you've come from. Well, I came actually to Nimbin in 2001. So I've been in Nimbin for nearly 20 years now. I originally come from Britain and I came out here to volunteer with the Rainforest Information Centre in, in Lismore, actually. Nice. And when I arrived in Nimbin, it just completely blew my mind. So I fell in love instantly and I have never left. I've got two kids and I've built a life here. I love it. So I've been working at the Happy High Herb Shop, which few people know, it's fairly well known. I've been working there since about 2003 and I've owned that since about 2008. And it's just kept evolving over the years into something which I feel pretty, pretty happy with at this point in my life. Feels like it's reached a, a, a sweet spot, we could say, slowly, but we got there. Nice. So it sounds like there's a little bit of, um, I wouldn't say battle, but it sounds like uh, you definitely stuck to your guns to get it to a place where it's uh, evolved to today. Do you just want to take us through a little bit about uh, what that looked like? As wow. far as the franchise and all that yeah, fun stuff? It's, it, it's been a fascinating journey. So that's right. In terms of the franchise, when I first bought the business, it was as a franchise. So, you know, that was great in a way. Uh, we were just talking about how fresh I was in those early days. I bought the business with no business experience at all. I was just joking that I didn't even know what GST meant. And so I, I had to learn everything from scratch. I was very lucky. I had an amazing accountant and she was my guide really for, for many, many years. She taught me all the ins and outs of, of, of business. And so as a franchise, that was also great because in some ways I was kind of protected and shielded from the, the sort of complexities of running a business completely solo. And so for many years, we sort of flowed within that context. And then in more recent years, I feel like what we have done has evolved beyond that sort of confines of the franchise model. And so a few years ago, we, we entered into a process of disenfranchising. And that was a, a complex process of negotiation, of just working out what people needed and how we could do it in a way that everybody was happy. And we achieved yep. that. And so we're now flying, flying free, flying, flying solo under the Nimbin Herbs Experience banner, which is very exciting. So I think it's important to um talk about your little shop there um so nathan and i went there a couple of weeks ago that's when we met you it's a beautiful beautiful shop as soon as you walk in it's got beautiful energy beautiful vibe 
um, everything in there, you, I know, for me, do you just want to buy? <laughs> so is there other ones? So you've mentioned there's a franchise. I didn't know that. So are there other happy high shops around Australia? Is it international? Was it an international one? Yeah, it was international at one point. The company expanded quite massively about 10 years ago. Uh, in that way that often companies expand too fast, it kind of collapsed again. And so I think now it's back at a more sustainable level. I, I'm not sure how many franchises the Happy Hub company have, uh, probably somewhere between 10 and 20 around Australia. Yeah. yeah. Where did you, where did you, so you've come in pretty fresh, you didn't know what the GST was, um, your accountant. So would you say that where did you learn everything about business? There's so much to unravel here, Alan. Uh, we'll start with the business side of things. Where did you learn, uh, I guess, how to run a successful business? Well, that's a good question. I guess with a few errors at the beginning, for sure. Um, we did everything with pen and paper when I started. You know, it was absolutely no, there was no technology at all. There was just a bank account and a wooden box that we put the cash in <laughs> and a pen and paper to write everything down. And that was, the, that was the extent of it. So slowly over the sort of 20 years I've been involved, 15 to 20 years, we've evolved to have really sophisticated, integrated, cloud-based everything. You know, wow. it's sexy technology at this point. And because I travel a lot, I'm, I have a very international lifestyle. Well, I did before COVID anyway. Um, I needed to be able to run my business through the cloud. So it's been a really, really intuitive process, which I think is why intuitive plant business is sort of a good name because one of the things that a great teacher once said to me and that I've really, really stuck with over the years is that if you listen really carefully to you can call it your your higher self or your innate wisdom people have different names for it but if you listen really carefully to that voice that inner voice mm. and you do what you're told you'll always be fine and i think that really is the guiding philosophy that has informed my entire business life that's unreal that you can take that spiritual aspect and put that into a capitalist sort of element and win at it. It's not really one that you see very often. It's definitely not been the classic formula, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't make it not a winning formula, though. Do you think that has legs to go further? Well, it's an interesting question. And actually one of the women I work with asked me that, that the other day, what the next step is in terms of vision. And certainly I find it happens in, in, in a sort of chapter. So there'll be a sense of vision. There may be some visionary experience where some, it, some, some idea comes through from somewhere else. And then it's just a matter of moving with that. And I think the skill really rests in how to be in not having that in the in-between. <laughs> Does that make sense? 
because we're so enculturated to be constantly pushing forward, it's actually very difficult to just sit where you are sometimes as a business owner, because there's always more you can do. But what I've had to learn in order to have a peaceful life and to be calm and relaxed and enjoy my life is that there are these times in between those visionary impulses where not much is happening. <laughs> Personally, I'm quite, I'm quite uncomfortable in those spaces generally. I find I'm much happier in those inspired, creative uh, expressions of my life, but you know, they, they come when they come. They can't really be forced, I don't think. And that's why that intuitive element is so important for me personally. If you had to go back to the time when you first bought like um, the shop and the franchise, if you could tell your younger self, your younger woman, like one piece of information, what do you think that would be? Um, I think that my first, my first reaction when you asked me that question just now was go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I really had a lot of drive back then. I was very passionate and excited. I mean, when I, when I, it, it, it was never something that I expected to be a, a shop owner in Nimbin. It, com- it came completely out of left field. And I had two very young children at the time and it was just, yeah, the most unexpected life path that you can ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was just a, an incredible journey in those first few years of finding my way around in, in there, in that space. And I, I, I had a funny experience, actually. I can tell you a funny story. Please do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was quite naive when I first took on the shop. And um, so one day I'm in there and a lady came in and she said, the police are, are in town and they're after me. Can I hide in here? And I said, of course you can, no problem. <laughs> come on in. So she, she hid in the back, you know, cause the police were looking for her. And I said, what's going on? She said, I've got this basket of cookies. And she had this little wicker basket, you know, full of cookies. So anyway, we chatted away. She relaxed, I think the police went away. And as she left, she said, here, have one of these. <laughs> well, I made the worst mistake that you can make visiting Nimbin or being in Nimbin. <laughs> I ate the whole thing, I ate the entire cookie. I must have been quite hungry. And so everything seemed fine for a couple of hours. And then all of a sudden I'm talking to a customer and as the customer walks out the door, the room went really, really long, like a long tunnel. And I thought, oh dear, <laughs> I'm in for it now. So um, fortunately I managed to get to the door and close it and I spent the next four hours lying on the floor in the back of the shop unable to move and I had an extraordinary experience where the spirit of the place came to me and I'm not a particularly um, 
I come from a very scientific background, you know, so it takes a lot for me to have a true spiritual experience, you know, certainly at that point, you know, had to break through a few belief systems, but I had a very incredible experience where this being came to me, the spirit of Nimbin, or one of the spirits in that place. And I felt like my whole nervous system got rewired I could feel the rocks and I could feel the rivers. I could feel all the, the underground electromagnetics of the, of the village. And I felt that I was being hardwired into the matrix of the land there. It was the most incredible trippy experience of my life, certainly one of them. And oh. perhaps that was, that was sort of an initiation into that space and, and being the, yeah. The caretaker of that space in Nimbin. I consider myself as the caretaker. So. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful story. And uh, what, well, really, what a gift that woman gave you that day. Yeah. I bought I a t-shirt expected. afterwards. I bought a t-shirt afterwards that said, "Beware the Nimbin cookie." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. There's so much that I want to dive into, Ellen. Um, just to take it back half a step, um, and I'm going to regret doing that because I want to dive down this little tangent as well. Um, what what does the end game look like for yourself? Because the idea of, of being still in business and, and being intuitive, um, and I guess just rolling with the punches to a certain degree, do you have a, an end goal, or what does you know what what does the finish line look like for yourself? If there, that's a, that's a really good question. Do you know, it's funny that the, the person who set up Happy High Herbs, he was all about setting goals, you know? That was his whole thing with business, setting goals. And I used to listen to him talk and I used to think, I have never set a goal in my life. <laughs> and um, still, that's, that, that's not necessarily true now. I'm quite good now at, you know, directing my will I would say you know if, if I if I want to achieve something I, I I'm quite confident now in that ability to to direct my will towards a goal but it's certainly not the way I live my life it's not um it's not my my inherent nature is more really just be grateful for what you've got and don't have a lot of expectations certainly we don't know what the future holds and I'm not into sort of doom and gloom. I definitely try to stay positive in terms of the future and all the things that could 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 be you know positive in the in the future of of being in Nimbin and being in Australia. We're so lucky here, and just as a planet and as a people, um, to stay positive feels really important. But at the same time it doesn't take a lot of deep looking to recognize that we have many crises on the horizon that could happen really in all sorts of different ways. So we're very, very fortunate here. Um, I don't have an end game so much in business. I'm sort of happy to just keep rolling along at this point. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's much more about just making sure that water, food, community and my team are safe and looked after 
and that really um, gives a really good grounding, I think, to the whole business uh, trajectory. Um, that the that the that the basis of all those really really essential parts of life is is pretty solid. So, would you say um, spirituality? I won't make any assumptions. Sorry, Alan. Do you consider yourself quite spiritual? Like I said, I grew up in a really scientific family. My family were completely atheist, you know, mm. for, for generations back. There was no spirituality at all in our home. And so I grew up with that. And it's still sort of my, my, my main mode is, is definitely logical, rational, scientific. I, I really love that aspect of life. But I've had enough experiences that I had to recognize I had there was no choice it wasn't that I had to make a choice about whether I believed in another realm of existence I simply had enough experiences where that realm <laughs> was revealed in in whatever way usually fairly difficult experiences actually um, I think that it's often in the challenges that we really um, make contact with those deeper layers of life. I'm quite so, excited yeah. to, uh, sorry, jump in. No, I would say I am, I am definitely a spiritual person. I don't usually frame it in those terms, but. Yeah, this, I understand why. Um, yeah, the, the, it's such a loaded concept. Hmm. It means so many different things to so many different people excited about the, the the being the science background and, and spiritual about the basically the scientific spiritual studies that are coming along and then they're finally recognizing that this is a maybe a possibility and maybe there's some more to this and they're actually putting some you know scientific studies towards that that must be exciting well, it's certainly exciting on the herbal front in terms of the plant medicines, these old folk stories that people have been saying for thousands of years, there's a herb called Ho Shu Wu, and it's been revered as a herb that can turn a gray hair black, prevent aging. And so these stories are thousands and thousands of years old. And then we discover through modern science that this plant is absolutely packed with a compound called resveratrol, which is an anti-aging compound. It, it slows down the breakdown of the telomeres at the end of our DNA sequences so that we don't age so quickly. So things like that really, really excite me for sure. Can you spell Ellen, that for me? Yeah, just <laughs> asking for a friend there, Ellen. You want to spell that for us? It's actually very rich in red wine as well, which is good news for most of us, I think. There we go. Nice little bottle of Moe. Uh, no, it's white. I apologize. Merlot. I'm so cultured. Um, so that, uh, <laughs> that herb was Hoshu Wu, was it? Okay. So yeah, it's Hoshu Wu. But again, here, there's another interesting political thing here that the Therapeutic Goods Association in Australia recently have restricted the access to that plant because, and this is something that we have found again and again and again in the plant medicine I say industry for want of a better word, is that 
these plants have been used for thousands of years, but they're used within a specific way and a specific cultural container. So in the case of Hoshu Wu, for example, that plant has to be prepared in a very particular way for us to use it. If it's mm -hmm. not prepared properly, it's toxic. So wow. you'd never find a Chinese medicine doctor that would just give you the raw roots. It would be unthinkable. It would be like serving a raw potato in a restaurant. <laughs> but what happens is there's a fad. Somebody hears about resveratrol and all of a sudden they get hold of a bunch of raw Romania root and they start selling that in some, you know, Facebook ad or, or something like that. And then the TGA gets hold of it and the TGA says this is toxic and they re restrict the access of not only just these newcomers to the herbal industry, but people who've been working with this herb for decades and decades as a medicine. And this is something which is a really major issue in Australia. Yeah, I have a, uh, one of my good friends, she's a naturopath and she's told me about how the laws recently changed for naturopaths and how she can't say how she's cured anyone or otherwise she may risk even going to jail time for, for making claims, truthful claims um, and, and, you know, recommending certain things. And she has to be very, very careful about what she says on social media. Um, do you find, are, are you limited in the same sort of way? I, I think that we do need regulation. I'm not a believer in just a, having a free-for-all for this very reason that newcomers come on the scene, they want to make a quick buck. Mm. When you're dealing with health, you're dealing with vulnerable people. When you're dealing with someone who has a life-threatening condition, you're dealing with somebody who the duty of care is extraordinarily high. And so we do need regulations that protect vulnerable people and their families from these latest fads where somebody's just, you know, this is going to cure your cancer. This is the next best thing. I think that regulations are actually very, very important for that reason. How those regulations are made, I think we could improve in, in this country. I think that, um, and that's always the case with any regulatory framework, you're never going to get it exactly right. I'm not an anti-TGA person, I'm not anti-regulation, I'm not anti-government. I think everything has a really important place, but we do need to have ongoing discussions with people who've been working with these plants for not just decades, but also generations through their family lines. Um, I think that there are Chinese doctors in Australia who now really can't get a lot of the really basic ingredients to their formulas. and. Uh, that's a really complex issue. Just on that, and, and I don't want to dive too deep into that. Um, <laughs> so I hesitate asking the question, but um, have you seen any changes, I guess, in the last 20 years uh, just around regulations or, or has it been pretty consistent? Enormous changes in the last 20 years huge swathes of plant medicines that are now restricted in availability in Australia. Um, even herbs that you'd never think, I mean, horsetail, coltsfoot, comfrey, these are herbs which any herbalist for the last thousands of years would be using 
safely and appropriately. And in Australia, many of these plants are now restricted in the way that we can use them and talk about them. So I do understand the reasons why there's been such a swing towards the control model. And I think it's certainly an interesting question. Maybe we can come back to that in another conversation. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's dive in a little bit about uh, about herbs and uh, uh, plant medicine. Uh, Melissa is uh, a lot more into it than myself, but I am intrigued. Um, so even with yourself, Alan, have you got uh, this is a, this is such a I'm going to ask anyway. Have you got maybe a top three or top five herbs that um, that, uh, that 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 you go to on the daily? I've definitely got some favorites. I, I think that, you know, one of the things I often say to people at work is I, I think of plants like people. You, you know, sometimes you meet someone and you just instantly love them and you just know that you're going to be great friends. And it's like that with herbs. Sometimes herbs grow on you. <laughs> you're not quite sure of them to begin with, but you stick with it and, you know, you kind of understand what they're on about after a bit of time. So there's those herbs as well. Um, so for me, definitely one of my absolutely top herbs, and actually I've got a cup of it here, is nettle. I just absolutely love nettle tea. I'm going to have some now. <laughs> it's just so fresh in the body. It really cleanses the blood in a very, very gentle way. Very safe. Herbalists have a saying, if in doubt, give nettle. You know, if someone presents with a really complex condition and you're not quite sure what the underlying thing is, you can give them nettle. It's a really safe, gentle herb that's just been used forever. It's rich in minerals, great for allergies, great for the liver, good for the kidneys. It's just one of those just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful teas that I think everybody benefits from. So I'd say nettle would be certainly in my top five. Another herb which I, I think I love in my top fives would, would be a, an Ayurvedic herb. You've probably heard of it, Melissa. It's ashwagandha. Ashwagandha, yeah. Fantastic herb. It's used for relaxation. Great benefits for the heart. It's the, the, the name actually means the power of the horse. So it's, it's, not the, it's not the racing horse, you know. It's not the thoroughbred. It's the sort of farm horse that can just keep plodding along, pulling the plow day after day, no complaining. <laughs> <laughs> so ashwagandha is just such a fantastic herb. It's also quite a sexy herb. It's, it's got a lot of benefits for, you know, the, the fluids in the body and the endocrine system. So it's also used as an aphrodisiac in, 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 a, in Asian countries. So I do like those herbs that, you know, have a bit of a swing in the hips. <laughs> That's right. And it's good that you say that because a lot of the herbs that I use every day are just in cooking. I use a lot of cinnamon and ginger, turmeric. I use a lot of um, sage and thyme and rosemary and all those beautiful warming aromatic herbs that we use in cooking are actually, and again, coming back to that scientific side, as we learn more about the chemistry of these really common 
culinary herbs. Mm. They're great for the brain. They're great for the lung. They're great for the gut. They're great for the, all the organs, for the eyes. So, you know, most people have got herbs that they're probably using every day or every week and not thinking of them necessarily as a herbal medicine, but they are, and they can be very beneficial. Yeah. I think one of the most probably commonly used ones would be garlic, which Absolutely. you don't even think about. That's right. Absolutely. One of the best natural antibiotic blood cleaners that there is. And I think it's interesting how in this whole COVID phenomenon that we've just been going through and still are going through, um, I don't hear a lot of narrative about these herbs like garlic and ginger, which ginger is one of the most powerful herbs for the immune system on the planet. And it can be really, really beneficial to help all the different parts of the immune system communicate better. Medicinal mm -hmm. mushrooms are another thing that do that. And so it would be great to have, I think, more education out there about how these simple herbs you can buy in the supermarket. We don't need to go off these exotic, you know, exotic herbs are great, but uh, I think that we, <laughs> we do also have access to so many fantastic things just in the supermarket at this point in time. We're incredibly fortunate that have great, great support for our bodies. And if you touched on mushrooms then, I find fungus fascinating, just in general. And, you know, it's, it's now coming to, I mean, it's been known for thousands of years, but it's just now sort of getting the attention that it deserves really with new studies. Um, and it goes from, you know, your normal Chinese mushrooms that you may get in a stir fry when you go out for dinner, you know, to reishis and they're getting bottled up. I saw some that you sell some supplements, the mushroom supplements in your store. Um, and, you know, lion's mane, reishi, some of the bigger named ones there that have massive health benefits, you know, scientifically studies to the wazoo, um, you know, all through to the, you know, the, the naughty good old um, psilocybin but is also now showing to have new studies of amazing results for, you know, end of life treatment and treatment for really severe depression and anxiety and a, lo a load of different things. So what's your, how do you, you know, I guess what are your thoughts on mushrooms and the fungus field, I guess? Mushrooms are absolutely incredible because they are a completely unique kingdom within the kingdom of animals, plants, mushrooms you know there are lots of interesting theories about mushrooms coming from space and and uh, you know having their their own intelligence which is quite possibly true mushrooms in the ecosystem so the mushroom itself is like the fruit like a tree produces an apple so the mushroom that you actually see is is like the the apple it's the fruit of a much much bigger network of what's called mycelium and mycelium if you've ever been in the forest and you've turned over a log and you've seen this white threads that crawl out across the damp under part of a log, that's the mycelium of the mushroom. And I think that Paul Stamets' work, most people have heard of Paul Stamets, I think he's been on Joe Rogan's show several times. And he talks about how there's one mycelium in, I think, Canada or North America, 
which is actually the biggest single organism on the planet. It covers acres, hundreds and hundreds of acres. One specific organism has the same DNA throughout. So in the ecosystem, mycelium acts like a nervous system. It connects the tree roots and the, and the, 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 the moss and the plants and it connects all of these different beings within the ecosystem so that it creates a communication network. And I think that that's one of the things it possibly does within our bodies as well, is it improves the communication pathways between our endocrine system, our nervous system, all of the, the different parts of the body that when they're working optimally together, we call that health. So the, 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 the explosion of interest in these organisms at a time where we've had two, three, four hundred years of science, which is all about dividing things out and reducing things down and breaking things up and understanding everything in this isolation that we have this organism that's all about interconnection, that's reaching out into the culture right now, feels like a really medicinal thing just in, it, in and of itself, regardless as to whether we're taking them or not, just that very fact that humans are reaching out towards this interconnection again. And whether they're conscious of that or not when they're going for the mushroom, I think that that's a really interesting, um, phenomenon that's happening in our culture right now we could have a whole uh, a whole podcast episode just on that ellen um oh, I, you, I, might, you might have to get paul stamets on i think to really do it justice <laughs> <laughs> well there we go we could have a, a four people on the show I get paul in here as well but um yeah just on that i uh i don't really believe too much in coincidences so i think you bang on the mark as far as um I think we're going through a little bit of a, a, a moment in time and it's mm. quite exciting just to, uh, just to see it play out. Uh, Ellen, look, I'm, I'm aware of, uh, of time. I don't want to keep you uh, all night. Um, I've just got a couple more questions uh, from a pure selfish uh, standpoint. Have you got any, uh, any favorite books um, that uh, you've stumbled upon in your travels? Yes, um, some important books, definitely. It depends what, you know, if you're talking from a selfish point of view, I'd ask you what exactly it is that you're interested in. Is it sort of health in general or plants in general or more different ways of looking at health what, or mushrooms? I mean, what's your, what's your selfish request? Let's do, uh, let's do, let's do health then. Let's do health and plants yeah okay so many many years ago when i first came to australia i was very fortunate to have an incredible teacher an acupuncture um, practitioner who when i said to him i really want to study this i want to study health and he said then you need to buy healing with whole foods by paul pickford Healing with Whole Foods is an extraordinary book that I still use probably as my primary reference. It's a big book. You don't read it cover to cover. The content page is about 
10 pages of just content, highly wow. detailed. And it, everything you ever want to know about health is in there. It goes into fats and oils. It goes into sugars. It goes into food combining. It goes into all the different types of food. But one of the most useful tools that I've come across in my life in terms of understanding my health and my constitution. And I wanted to talk about that with you, Melissa, with you know, which herbs and how constitution and herbs go together. Because some herbs work for some people and not others. And part of that is because we all have a different constitution. And one of the most elegant and sophisticated ways to understand your constitution is actually from the traditional Chinese medicine perspective what's called the five element theory, or um, I think it's called the, the, in Chinese, I think it's called Wu or Wu, which means five element theory, basically. So each season of the year, so in China, they have summer and late summer. So each season of the year is a different element, but everybody's constitution also has different, different types. And our constitutions thrive at certain times of year and not others. And when we use herbs and use foods that balance our particular constitution, I think that's when you start to get really simple techniques that really work for you specifically. Health does not need to be complex. Diet does not need to be complex. You know, I, I'm not a big believer in fasting or cleansing or any of that stuff. I drink a lot of wine and eat lots of meat I probably don't have a classic healthy diet but because I'm eating and using plants in a simple way that work to my constitution I don't have to put a lot of thought into it so healing with whole foods by Paul Pickford is an incredible book and it will explain that to you so I hope that helps 100 percent um, yeah, that's exciting. Actually, I'm going to pick that one up. Melissa, I think we just found your Christmas present just quietly. But um, Melissa, have you, uh, have you got any questions or, or, or things that we've missed um, this evening so far? Uh, look, I feel like I could spend a whole evening talking to Alan. Um, but I, I, did have, I did have one. I don't know if... Uh, if it's worth it um, to, to go into, but just maybe a quick one. I just wanted to, I was wondering, because like, I know you grew up in Wales. Yeah. And I always find, find it interesting on, on someone's childhood background and how do you think your Welsh background now living in Nimbin sort of helped shape you to, to where you are today? Yeah, that's a lovely question to end on. I, I, I come from a family of doctors as it happens. So right back many, many generations, mostly women, doctors in my family. And so there's a long lineage of, of healing there that certainly has informed me in terms of where I've gone with my life. I grew up in the mountains. I grew up on a farm. This is the, this is the farm I grew up on here. You can't probably see it very well, but that's a painting that I got for my birthday one year so I've got a little bit of Wales here with me that's awesome I, yeah so I grew up on a farm I think that that's been a huge influence on my life in terms of just yeah enjoying being in a natural environment you know I've never lived in a city really 
And so I really thrive in lots of insect sounds and frog sounds. And it's not like I'm a particularly outsidey person. You know, I'd rather be inside. British people, we generally like to be in. <laughs> in fact, I, I feel kind of guilty when it's a really nice day and I don't go outside, but that's another story. <laughs> but I like to be in nature. And um, Nimbin is just the most extraordinary place to live in terms of the the, there's a little dog in the background there. We've got some little animals. Sorry, yeah, that's I mean, in, in terms of the, the, the richness of the ecology here, that we can look out and see mountains and be immersed in nature just feels really important to me personally. Yeah. That just goes hand in hand with the plant medicines that you you do it kind of it makes sense to me that you come from a, a family of female doctors as well which must have been so inspiring sort of growing up when you know a lot of especially as a, as a woman we don't have a lot of you know back then a lot of strong female leads as well probably much more available now but you know mm. do you think that having that gave you strength yeah absolutely not that I was aware of it at the time you know both my grandmothers were doctors and I didn't really think of it much when I was young. It was just what, what it was just what was. But certainly over the years, you know, I've drawn from that deeply. Um, and my great grandmother was a, was a very well known doctor in Scotland. And then her aunt, as well, my great great aunt, was one of the first medical women doctors on the medical register. So wow. certainly I've drawn deeply on that heritage and all deeply spiritual women, writers and um, explorers of consciousness without doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen, is there, uh, is there anything that we've missed tonight that uh, you want to shine a spotlight on? I'd just like to say thanks to both of you for your beautiful questions and for inviting me on. This is actually my first podcast, so Get I out. feel, yeah. Mine yeah. too. <laughs> hey. So thank you both, yeah. What about you, Melissa? How have you gone? <laughs> yeah, no, I feel all right. I've, I've loved hearing your stories tonight and talking to you. I knew as soon as I met you, I was like, oh, I could just sit here and listen to this woman all day. <laughs> been lovely 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 to, to connect uh, I've, I've enjoyed every second uh, Ellen I, I just thought of the same have you ever thought about putting a little potty together for yourself well yes it's certainly been um so we, about two years ago we opened the Nimbin Herbs Learning Center which was initially the idea was that we would be doing podcasts and online stuff and it's more evolved to be doing actual workshops sort of intimate one-on-one -on -one seems to be um where we're building a lot of our community mm. and you know the question of how do you build community online is a question that i think of a lot authentic community that's actually helping people i really want to avoid being in a situation where people are just receiving information passively yeah. I think that there's too much of that going on already. But if we can create a, a community that's 
interactive, where people are actually involved and engaged in the conversations that actually matter. I think that's how you, you move culture forward. How to do that is a big question. How to do it well, yeah. Well, you could be a pioneer, Ellen. We don't know yet. Uh, but yeah, look, um, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been very entertaining. I've learned a great deal. And Melissa's got herself a Christmas present. So thank you so much. Fantastic. Um, yeah, thank you. When you find yourselves in Nimbin, ladies and gents, go and have a look at uh, the Happy High Herbs there. And uh, there's also Nimbin Herbs where you can uh, um, learn a lot. And there's a cultural center as well that uh, Ellen's involved with. So Ellen, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining us. Melissa, I will see you for dinner. See you guys.